the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Shanghai Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. I'm waiting in my cold cell when the bell begins to chime, reflecting on my past life. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst who you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio, and today, tonight, on Thanksgiving or Black Friday, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's not after that, because then this kind of will be irrelevant, but we will be breaking down UFC Shanghai. That is right, UFC Fight Night 122, I believe, yeah, probably, who knows, uh, who cares, hopefully... This is finding you well, whether you are uh, digesting some some food, as this is coming out on the eve, Thanksgiving, or maybe I guess the eve of, of, of Black Friday, I guess, Thanksgiving night uh, will be the more proper term. At least there really is no proper term. Oh, well. Um, it's been a crazy week, man. It's been a crazy week. Uh, old Dan Tom did not mean to complain too much on Twitter, but thank you guys for with your well wishes and just... Being fucking more awesome than uh, you know, I give humanity credit for is sirens madly stream by the apartment. <laughs> Perfect timing, but I appreciate it. I, I I really I don't want I don't I never want to be that guy to draw attention to that kind of attention to myself. Uh, believe me, uh, there is no no intentions of fishing poles for for. Uh, compliments or pick me ups or however you want to 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 call it but 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 man that 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 shit's appreciated especially this time of year because yes i i, I would be lying you know uh, i like many you know uh, holidays can be a tough time for 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 you know for for many reasons which uh, don't worry we'll be getting into in this podcast but but just kind of touching on that since it's 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 apropos to right now and uh you know the day i'm recording this hell i'm working on fucking thanksgiving i can talk about it a little bit right right Hey, yeah, we will be getting to the uh, UFC Shanghai breakdown, by the way. That's going to be later on in the show. I'll put that in the show notes, so in case y'all are in a rush, um, you or you know, you, or you're just a sensible fucking human being and and, and don't care to listen to this, uh, you can you can go ahead and go forward. But uh, we're going to have a brief recap of UFC Sydney, um, and and, and uh, just a couple you know couple notes. Couple things to touch on before before we get to that breakdown, but yeah, you know the you know, the, the, the holidays are kind of a crazy time, and it was, it's 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 been a crazy a uh, crazy week. Uh, not just being the holidays, not just being 
you know, in the midst of the the uh, eleven, you know, fight card and eleven week schedule that old Dan Tom here keeps complaining about. Um, but you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Incorporate the holidays, and then then uh, you know, there's a tweet I kind of you know uh, touched on um, earlier was uh, yeah, just untimely health issues, and and I guess it's kind of peel back the curtain on that, just. Man, I just was having. A, I mean, I, I, I always, you know, for who knows, however, uh, you know, long will deal with you know certain aspects of post-concussion symptoms, issues, depending on, you know, sleep, stress, screen exposure, a lot of, lot of uh, exercise. I've been doing my vestibular exercises, certain things like that. A lot of things go into it. Um, uh, you know, as far as that goes and as far as my health and my meter and it's almost like I was equated to a, a video game you know health health meter it's like uh let's just say average Joe Schmo we all variate depending on your age you know lifestyle etc right um let's just say we all have an average for the sake of argument arbitrary health meter and that's a hundred right hundred percent easy just like every video game um Essentially, since the concussion, I've, I've built it back up. Uh, but, you know, because there are days initially, like, especially when the initial post-concussion symptoms uh, are, are in high effect, usually three months after. And this was in 2015 when I sustained it. It was really bad. Like, I could barely drive, like, like maybe once a day um, if I was lucky. It probably shouldn't have been some of those times. Um but but yeah, I mean, you just you just uh, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked here. But uh, you you essentially just you know, deal with effects and you, you you get your life bar back up. But even now, uh, much better. And you know, I like to consider myself a productive human human being. We all we all so many of us complain about eighty hour work weeks that I don't know if it's true that it kind of becomes a cliche when you say eighty hour work weeks. But you know, Dan Tom get gets pretty close. On average, easily a minimum seventy, but yeah, pretty close to eighty. Uh, and that you know, um, by the time when you you know, by the time you know, at least seventy, and then by the time you factor in fight cards, social media for multiple accounts, you kind of those hours are kind of hard to calculate. So I don't even bother because that just becomes then you're just kind of harping on the negative at that point. And I don't want to do that because it's an amazing job. But um, you can't help but look at the the sheer hours and, and, and those kind of kind of add up. So I don't want to be hard on myself. Definitely productive human being in that sense. But it's tough because um, it's like you have a whole plate of food. Here, Thanksgiving talk. Maybe this is a better metaphor. We have a whole plate of food, but you only have you know just a little bit of utensils to eat it. Maybe maybe that's actually a shit metaphor. But yeah, I like the video game one better. It's like you're so used to having a hundred percent power, and now you have seventy percent. So it's like you know, you become, I noticed, at least for me, at least, you know, my experiences become a little more irritable, time becomes, because time becomes more valuable, and it becomes this kind of spiral effect, because, you know, you're up against, up against the clock, so I don't know if it, it was just stress or what, but essentially, the way it kind of circles back with the concussion stuff was, um, man, I, I've had, I had, probably, like, in two years, I haven't had this bad of effects, like, essentially, the last, I'll, I'll spare you the gritty details, but essentially, just, um, just just not being able to sleep, just nauseous, just from, you know, only can you know, clock so, so many times in front of just uh, extra sensitive with the, with the screens and just even like, you know, just even sleep. It was weird. Um, 
just throwing up a lot and couldn't have essentially held down two meals in like the last four days. Uh, holding down food today, thankfully, just just starting this afternoon, which was great. But it's it's been uh, it's been a not fun four days pushing through. Uh, tough to through the radio show. Um, uh, you know, didn't I, I don't think anybody noticed uh, as far as like on on the broadcast and stuff. We had some good shows this week, by the way, really awesome shows. Um. Which I'll also get to here in one second, because there's some some awesome positives to touch on from that, uh, from this week. But yeah, uh, essentially behind the scenes though, I'm not trying to play the violin here, that, uh, that's essentially the extent of it that I'll get into, I'll, I'll spare you the rest. But yeah, it was it was tough, man, it was tough, like I just, I... <laughs> but at the same time, it was also a good week because whether, again, about to touch on the show here, whether we were talking about on the show reflecting or just me uh, my personal life, a lot of reflection. Um, this was a this was a good week for it, you know. Uh, part of the reason old Dan Tom doesn't get, I don't want to peek, peek too behind the curtain, and, and you know, yeah, I am fucking crazy, but I mean, you know, I don't want you guys to think I'm more crazy than I actually am. But no, uh, I, I will like peek behind the curtain a little more. Um, Dan Tom has these reoccurring dreams and almost like nightmares, like because uh, it's very anxiety ridden. Where. My dreams, I, I'll get certain dreams where they'll feel so real, and I'm not alone here, so I'm, this isn't, probably doesn't make me sound crazy, I know a lot of people have this word, you know, you have, not just bad dreams or n- nightmares, or they'll affect you, you'll wake up and you'll kind of like not shake it, you're like, oh, is that real, was that, oh shit, that was, and then you'll come down from it, but the anxiety just kind of sticks with you, and you know, you, for you psych nerds, I'm sure you can, you know, kind of uh, parlay this down to, well, this dream means that you're uh, worried about time management and deadlines, because... Most of my dream, my recurring dreams, is, is it involves airports. Like maybe there's gunfights and lasers and monsters and wacky things, but it's like I have to, you know, get through these things and obstacles to get to a flight. Like that's usually the goal in the dream, no matter how crazy, what the scenario, what life is inception you were inserted to in the dream. Like it's it, it's always in a plane, and yet you always have to get to a plane in a plane, running late, forgetting my stuff, having to pack, and uh, not just in a plane, but having to go to China. And Dan Tom been to China. See, we're working our way to China here. I promise we're getting here, folks. I promise. Just, just, just stay with me. But, uh, and yes, Dan Tom has been to China twice, which I'm, I'm about to get to here to tie into the breakdown here in a second. Um, but yeah, so it's just been all, all sorts of, uh, you know, those, it's funny, those dreams have all been like amplified this week with the deadline that I was kind of just giving you a glimpse behind plus the other personal things. So everything, everything essentially just kind of was just culminating. But to turn it positive, because there was a lot of positives from it, man, and and just re- and just reflecting. And on the show, it was great because you know, hey, you want to be cheesy, and you know, I'm grateful for this. And you know, the guys were poking fun of me because I, I'm a I'm a self admitted you know uh, Scrooge when it comes to the holidays and stuff like that. You know, you know, I'm not gonna get more into the violin stuff, but you know, old Dan Tom didn't have the most normal upbringing. Let's just say, uh, normal holidays or family or any of that. Um, so and I, I also worked retail. That's the real. That's the real of it. So I essentially seen humanity at its worst season after season for a minute, or worked in a grocery store. You know things that deal with the public. You know in my day, especially in my twenties, that kind of gave me a weird taste for the holidays. Anyways, guys were poking fun at me for it, but uh, as crazy as everything was, you know that, that I just kind of talked to y'all about it. It, it I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You know, um, it, it's. I I I wondering what I'm doing to my health. Uh, 
Um, you know, uh, I, I get mad at myself for my time management as far as letting my diet and exercise and, and weight gain go with the job. And again, you know, my defense, it's not like I'm doing nothing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working my ass off. I'm sacrificing holidays and TV shows and movies and, and all this other cool stuff I get to see people talk about. But, you know, honestly, I fucking wouldn't trade it for anything, man. Uh, I just remember just going through different jobs and the stress of getting different jobs and this and that and... Dan Tom's did it all, man. He's done his dues. He's dug ditches. He's worked uh, getting punched in the face security graveyard shifts. Uh, you know? <laughs> uh, fucking bagging groceries. Uh, working hotels. Uh, just a bunch of things. Uh, I was a janitor. I was a, you know, I'm not have to get into the Happy Gilmore montage. But, uh, but yeah, I, I remember... What's the excuse I can give my employer <laughs> so that I can get Saturdays off? to watch fights because as much as I wanted to get laid, as much as uh, I was worried about a competition or whatever stage Dan Tom was in at the time, UFC fight cards, Saturday nights, uh, were, were a priority. So as much as I complain about their, their crazy fucking schedule, my goodness, um, I'm grateful for this shit. And I'm grateful for y'all for not just listening, you know, 13 minutes in thus far, to my uh <laughs> to my diatribes here uh thanksgiving themed uh but you know just 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 for supporting it you you hear it so cheesy without the fans we can't have the sport but that's a micro i mean that's a you know that's a micro to a macro that 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 that, that translates throughout that translates that translates to this and and I'm grateful as shit for it. Like I said, from the random Twitter messages to even like a. By the way, I'm sorry, a Pan Perth or something. I, I, it's off the top of my head. I'm, I'm, I, this is what I do. I'll mess it up, but I'll either edit or I'll, I will come back and and make it up next episode with a proper shot with the handle. But, um, he's a writer. He covers the sport as well on on Twitter, and he does those those polls and whatever. I appreciate. It. I'm not not degrading. I'm not trying to thank him, but I, I'm not. I don't care. I'm like silly polls, whatever. It's cool, yay. But the fact that you know, I, I just my, my notifications are getting lit, you know, uh, you know, are notifying me that you know people uh, are nominating me just for whatever. They do a bunch of different categories. They do like a hundred categories. So eventually, it's gonna get to like analyst or whatever. And I guess people were nominating me for it or whatever. And just again, I I, I don't care about that kind of stuff. And I appreciate the gentleman for doing it. I want to give him a shout. But I, I really give a shit about that kind of stuff. Like. That's not my thing. Uh, I wasn't a yearbook guy or like or anything, you know, like that. Like, uh, maybe it's my, my my punk rock attitude, but but just to see people even saying kind words blows me the fuck out of the water. Like it really does. So I know I started off complaining, and you know, a, a tweet might read funny and might not be my intention, but believe me, I'm grateful for this, and I'm definitely grateful for you guys. So I'm not a holiday person, so I don't want to sound cheesy. But not being a holiday person, hopefully it means something when I genuinely wish all all y'all are doing well, no matter what your circumstance is um, right now. I can't say that I've been there or relate, but I've been a lot of places and a lot of low places, a lot of crazy places, which I'm about to talk about. So uh, I can relate to you on that. <laughs> so cheers as I take a, a sip of uh, Modern Times Red Ale that I probably shouldn't be drinking. 
All right, just a quick recap of UFC sitting there. Really isn't much to talk about. Again, this is kind of a a card that uh, you know I, I'm really big on those underrated cards that we have with UFC Norfolk. You know what I'm saying? But like this was the longest card in UFC history. Not a lot really happened. The most notable narratives that happened happened outside, of course, which I'm not going to rehash here. It's been talked about at nauseum everywhere else. So I'll just give the really quick recap, which is 10-3 and in picks, 2-0 and in straight plays, 1-1 and in parlay pieces, 0-2 in props. Um, bad, but props are bad. What are you going to do? Uh, and not really too much to talk about else. You like that quick recap? See, I'm, 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 I'm making up for it in other places, people. I'll, uh, I'll trim it up. Or at least try to. Um... Boom. Aaron from Texas. I'm saying your name now. I don't know if I want to unpack your email right now because I really liked what you said. But what you said is going to be really relevant for me to bring up, if not on this podcast, but for for a matchup, at least on the next on the next one guaranteed for next week. Um, so I may bookmark that, but I haven't forgot about you, pal. Deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, sorry, I couldn't really clap there. My hands were full. Pardon that uh, poor, piss poor attempt. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't know what y'all are, you know, at least some of you, uh, reached out, uh, from before that I said, and then since I said a couple more of you reached out, uh, about shirts again, um, I, I don't want to touch on it too much, but, uh, again, it's, same with the, uh, maybe it's my, my too much self-deprecating attitude, but, uh, I don't, I, that's not even near my radar of things, not saying that uh, it hasn't been thought of or it hasn't been taken in consideration or talked about or there hasn't been things put in action. But I guess what I'm saying is if anything were to ever be done, it would be a very much limited print type deal and a very much non-profit at all. We'd have to get in and, and pick a source to donate to a good one uh, type of thing. And that would be the only way I could even justify going through the steps. Um, not cause I'm busy, which I am, but, uh, more just because again, I don't, I don't feel, uh, <laughs> me, this show, um, though, I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely would be nice to aim to eventually have sponsors and be like all these other normal podcasts that me and you both listen to that. Don't get me wrong. That would be great, but, um, don't get it twisted. I'm very realist on where I'm at. <laughs> so believe me, that's not, that's not very much on the radar, but, uh, again, as much as I'm talking shit on these ideas, kind of, uh, I really do appreciate the fact that even even people have that on the radar. Um, I want, I'm going to say this right here in the beginning. Usually I say it at the end, which I probably will say at the end as well. Just, but but because you're probably listening to it on Black Friday and Amazon, uh, I want to plug the Amazon and Onnit links. The Onnit and Amazon links are up and working at MixedMartialAnalyst.com where... You can find my archive breakdowns. There's about two years worth on there. Actually, at least two years worth. But um, even though I know I, I I don't have them aggregated all to one spot, but there is a search function on MMAJunkie.com. So, I mean, between MMAJunkie.com, MixedMartialAnalyst.com, you got Dan Tom's archive. I haven't missed a fucking card. That's for damn sure. And uh, 
because I haven't missed a card and, and because I don't charge and don't intend on charging and as you got a glimpse of my lovely behind the peak of the curtain of the life that I go through to study these fucking cards, which I don't blame you for studying, by the way. It's not a, a thing like I'm doing it and you're not, you know, or anything like that, but please don't take this complaining as a uh, I'm putting myself up on a pedestal or any of that bullshit. Believe me, that's, that's not my intention here, but what I am saying is the struggle, the grind is fucking real. The sacrifice is fucking real. I don't, I'm not complaining. I love where I'm at, but again, it, it's real. So if if you're thinking this holiday season, whether it's Black Friday or Christmas is coming up, you got a whole month. There's plenty of podcasts that you can choose, and they're really good podcasts. So please don't, even if you're a hardcore like, Dan, you don't have to sell me. I'm going to click through your link anyways. Even y- y'all, I'll be like, hey, you know, I appreciate that, but spread the love to them too. I get it. I'm not saying just go to me, but hey, hey. <laughs> It wouldn't hurt to show some love to your boy here, right? Right? Providing providing some free, uh, consistent content. Though I may be tired and ranting and crazy. Yes, I'm sorry you have to put up with that. But it's but hey hey it's it, it it's right or wrong, which you know, uh, not as right as I'd like to be a lot of the times. But again, bringing you the analysis, the consistency, the top to bottom, some behind the scenes stories, anecdotal, factual, all of the above. And uh, we will eventually bring it around to a breakdown, I promise. But yes, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, where again, not just the breakdowns, but as I was trying to say before I get derailed with all the plugs that I try to fit in, but uh, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com forward slash podcast, or just follow the tab there. And in all the episodes is what I was trying to say. It is uh, archived all the way to the first one because I, ooh, that's bad. I got to update my iTunes thing, by the way. Um you only can go back so far on iTunes, especially one of the dumbass podcast hosts forgets to update his uh, reader episodes. So I got to go do that. Thanks, Dan, for reminding yourself live on the podcast. But yeah, you can find all the episodes archived there. And uh, again, tog- if it's on your mobile, you just toggle to the right and all the, uh, all, all the links you're going to need are right there. And of course, iTunes, five stars, ratings, and reviews. Thank you. Um. John Zhang, same thing with Aaron from Texas. Yours I will definitely get to because yours was specifically about Chinese fighters. So I um, I will bring that up probably somewhere in the middle of the breakdown. And, um, and yeah, just to tie it in with the MMA Junkie Radio, you can also, MMAJunkieRadio.com forward slash radio. That's where you can follow the show. That's where the link's for Stitcher, iTunes. It's all in one place, MMAJunkie.com forward slash radio. And I actually suggest you go listen to the Uriah Hall episode from from uh, from this week. Well, listen to the Edson Barbosa interview too. That, that 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 tweet got some traction. Edson Barbosa talking about how he had to fucking take out all his Muay Thai footage from the online when he first started his MMA career because he couldn't get booked because apparently there was like knockouts that put his Terry Edom ones to shame. Like Edson Barbosa is a very rote guy, right? He's, he's just like your typical like Brazilian answer, like oh man. I train real hard. Oh, man. I'm ready. I just worry about the fight. I'm here to fight. <laughs> I'm not hating, but you guys know what I'm fucking talking about. Like, that's Ed, and that's Edson Barbosa. But even Edson was like, you could you could tell like that he was kind of impassioned about it. Like, he was just like, Terry Adam KO? Like, no, man. Like, even, 
he even was talking about one guy he thought he killed. And Edson's a really one thing that does translate though. I'm, I'm joking, halfway joking, I should say, about him being very rote in his answers. But you can one thing that that bleeds through. He's a really nice guy, like surprisingly nice for a guy who just is, is a ripped looking killer. But he was in one of them. He's just like. Oh man, this one guy thought he was dead, man. <laughs> I thought he was dead. <laughs> and you could just and you could almost just hear him like revisiting in his head like like he like freaking out. It was it was very genuine candor, I suggest you go listening to. And the Uriah Hall one. And that may be a surprise to you as 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 it is to me because um you know, I'm not gonna lie, Uriah Hall's been training at Extreme Couture doing his camps there, but uh you know, for the reasons of the way he kind of comes off to media and fans and that persona, uh, let's just say I wasn't warm to him like many of you weren't. So I'll be honest, when I saw him on the docket of the guest, I was like, oh, all right, let's see how this goes in the studio. I've seen, you know, how he can be with media. And, um, uh, I, you know, my first interaction wasn't the best with him, and I'll, I'll just kind of uh, leave it at that. It wasn't anything too too crazy or dramatic, but just... just just not worth going into because uh, it doesn't even matter at this point because, you know, um, he came in and granted he came in with Eric, who's great, uh, who's really uh, helped Uriah in his career and this turnaround. I think he's been a key factor there, not just because he's my homie, he's extremely to a general manager, Homer, Homer, Homer. But no, Eric is uh, a salt of the earth human being, just a real genuinely good human being. And a lot of people will vouch for that uh, worldwide. Uh, but uh, he... Uh, you know, I I think you know he's he's really helped him come along. Let's just say, and uh, Uriah came in, and you know, it, it took a couple minutes, but you hear him start to warm up, and um, it was great. He was really honest, and I don't know if you guys got the. I've just got a weird sense of humor, and I'm also very open and receptive to many sensibilities, personalities, and senses of humor. So I thought he was pretty funny. Uh, the way he was, you know, whether he realized he was being funny or not, um, because he was almost joking. He was being so honest. He was almost just joking about how he is in public and how he would come off like an asshole to people, like, you know, yelling, what, what do you want? Like, because it's just so foreign to him. And I'm very socially awkward myself. I, I obviously, you know, even though you guys are kind of led into my personality here and I, uh, you know, crazy old Dan Tom, but uh, I, you know, I, I can be a little more outgoing, a little more hide it a little better. But that doesn't mean I don't I don't struggle with my own issues. So when I see someone that has those issues, I sympathize very much, and I really appreciate when when someone can be very honest. Um, and uh, it was a really he, he co-hosted the second half of Wednesday's show, so I suggest y'all y'all go back and listen to that. And uh, just grateful for that show, man. And Georgian goes. Um, Danny, my man, Danny too. Danny out of New York, but uh, but George and Goes obviously the 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 creators, the the rocks of the show. Um, longtime friends, man. Every y'all know the story how 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 I ended up in that 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 seat to be privileged to sit next to those dudes. And I again, I'm I, my social awkwardness has me a weird way of just just showing it where I don't show it or I I just. I'm all weird about just good things. I just feel like I don't deserve them with my own fucked up the way I'm wired. But as I said on air and I, on the on the show this week to them, and I, and I told them off off air more in depth. But I don't know why. I feel I I still don't feel like I deserve it. But but goddamn, do I appreciate those the, the, those guys? They're one of the few dudes who kind of uh, meld that bond from the way they are, who they are as human beings. If you know them, 
to the way they conduct themselves, meld, and and what they really do. Not just, you know, networking or that bullshit of a word, because most of the networking those guys do are behind the scenes, and it's selfless. It's amazing. And it's between three worlds, fans, fighters, and media. And those are, anybody who knows the sport just a little bit know quickly that those are three different worlds right there. Um, so, so again, really lucky. All right, sorry about all that. It's all done. We're going to be going um, to business. Uh, I'm going to pull up the odds here as per normal, UFC Shanghai. We are going to go from bottom to top. Um, I know I said I was going to say some Shanghai stories. I'll, 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 I'll include them as, as we go. I'll, I'll say one while I'm pulling up the odds here. I uh, I went essentially to Anton, lifelong martial artist. Just, just uh, you know, grew up watching kung fu movies, the taekwondo regionally. Um, growing up in the 90s and the late 90s, uh, joined a Chinese Kempo-based uh, school. Uh, we wore geese and stuff because, uh, you know, westernized schools, uh, you know, it's the way you made money, the karate boom and all that stuff, right? So it was the karate sign, but it was Chinese-style Kempo. Um, so, I mean, you, had, you know, we, we had katas and we also had uh, Kempos and just various different uh, kind of mixing integration of the styles, but all kind of rooted back to kind of a Shaolin Kung Fu. And don't get me wrong, especially the beginner. It got more, you know, the more the Chinese stuff was introduced at higher ranks. But a lot of the beginning intro stuff was very much like Japanese kata looking type stuff. But it was really lucky to kind of get that, that, that sense of uh, balance of style. You know, we'd have grappling days where, you know, um, it, it was a very much judo based. So it was just a lot of hip tosses from the feet and the grappling was very limited on the ground. It was like really quick and poorly taught. Uh, I may add triangles and arm bars, which I would then go and think I was a badass and go challenge the wrestling team members and go grapple with them. And let's just say Dan Tom had mixed reviews. I would surprise some motherfuckers. I I catch some, some motherfuckers, but yeah, I hadn't, I, I didn't even know Brazilian jujitsu. I just knew grappling judo and, and, and what I was, the versions I was being taught of that. So, but it was cool because uh, they actually, the school um, started, it got a relationship with the uh, Shaolin Temple. I'm not sure how. I mean, it probably was easy in hindsight because at the time the Chinese government was, um, you know, obviously communist country. It's a very tight, go, tightly run government. And uh, they've actually had issues with the Shaolin Temple. Again, this is, you know, Bodhidharma coming up from India, all these kind of stories and folklore, you know, there's different versions of history, but essentially for, you know, from the Kung Fu, from the Kung Fu uh, film world to the martial arts, uh, I don't want to say relevant history, but general history, if that's even the right term, the Shaolin temples where, 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 where it all started, right? I mean, um, and uh, and they actually, the government actually had their issues before. In fact, there's actually three, uh, people aren't, a lot of people aren't aware of this, there's actually three Shaolin temples, quote-unquote. The original one, which I, I visited both times, uh, thankfully, um, was actually rebuilt parts of it. I think about you know 60%, two-thirds of it was destroyed in the 1930s by the Chinese government. Um, again, they were just kind of destroying a lot of just... just a lot of historical stuff. There's just a lot of bullshit going on in the, at that time of the world. <laughs> Real uh, ignorant point of view. China was still in its kind of catch-up mode with the rest of the world. And enjoyed, you know, living, you know, wearing silk, talking politics while Europe was throwing feces at each other. But they got complacent behind their big wall 
and the industrial next thing you know the industrial revolution happened and they were behind on the time so they you know they're trying to catch up and so it's just a crazy time there when we get there it's just amazing because it, even though it, it was rebuilt in the 30s uh, shortly after you couldn't tell it just looks old as shit right it's it's amazing it's like straight out of by the way any kung fu heads out there or anybody just interested in like old kung fu movies uh Shaolin Wooden Men will be the one that I was at 1976 I want to say Jesus, Jackie Chan. It's a Jackie Chan movie, by the way. But yeah, 1976. He, he's a young motherfucker in there. And it's crazy because, again, Dan Tom is so out of it. I don't know any... What is this Stranger Things you children talk about? Because I'm in my cave looking at fights. But, um, you know, I guess there's a Jackie Chan Taken movie apparently coming out. I don't fucking know. Uh, news to me. But, um, but yeah. Uh, any, anyway, so it was just... It's just it's just crazy. Uh, Shaolin Wooden Men's a great, a great one though. It's it's a classic one, and he essentially, you know, is like a a kid that hears about it or whatever. Maybe, maybe the setup's wrong, but uh, there's some kind of master and revenge thing, or uh, you know, he goes to the Shaolin Temple to learn, and he's a cook, and no one will teach him martial arts, and he just has to do all these menial chores. He finds his way into a cave, and there's this there's this prisoner there, and he knows all the dark martial arts, but he's been locked up there because he has this evil background that no one knows about. But he kind of he sweet talks Jack, a young Jackie Chan, uh, befriends him, teaches him martial arts through the shackles of his chains, and turns him into a killer. And then the guy gets out one day. It's this cool, crazy story. But you get to see Jackie Chan go through the. Uh, you always hear the stories of the Hall of the Wooden Men, hence the story Shaolin Wooden Men. And unfortunately, I did not get to see that Lohan Hall, that legendary Lohan Hall. But essentially, it was just, and I should know this, it's been forever since I've been caught up on the folklore. Not even folklore, it's it's real. But uh, like 80, there's a bunch of 80 like mechanical wooden men. They're all uh, all by chains and operated by men behind walls. And it's just this gauntlet that you just get the shit beaten out of you. And apparently, I don't know how elaborate it gets, but there's like spears and triggers. and You, you go through this whole test, and at the end of the test... To get past this hallway, there's this, there's this big giant pot, this steaming hot urn with a tiger on the right and a dragon on the left. Because when you see him do that, it's called front position. When you guys see that Kung Fu bow and you'll see like Bruce Leroy and you'll see a lot of MMA fighters do this or some refs even do it. I think Neil Hall does the, Neil Hall does the front position where they make the fist with the right hand and the open hand with the left. I'm sorry I'm ranting on here, but this is actually like stuff you're probably not going to hear on the podcast, so whatever, deal with it. Hopefully you learn something. Um, the fist represents power, and the hand over it represents the wisdom to control that power. So if you follow, uh, whether it's not, you don't have to know the, the tiger style or anything like that, but even just Chinese zodiac, uh, the fighting styles relate to the personalities, because our personalities relate to our fighting styles, if you've kind of followed the game and have been around it or have taught classes for a minute, you'll kind of, you'll, you'll, you'll spot that. You know your students and you'll see how they fight. Oh, okay, I get that, I get that. And so that's why the tiger is on the right side of the urn and represents the fist and the dragon is on the left side of the urn represents the wisdom, the hand. So to get past the final part of the test, you see the monks, they put their forearms on each side, they burn, and they essentially just get the, the big burn, the, the OSP marks on their forearms and they have to use the for imprints while they're while they're getting singed and imprinting themselves use that that grip and friction they're using the imprint to move the heavy urn uh, out of their way and to pass with their burnt fucking forearms and that's how you became a shaolin monk and it was amazing to go there um flew there the first time i went was pre 9 11 2000 second time i actually tested for my black belt there but uh it wasn't um for a belt 
I got my belt when I got back to the States. They didn't go by belts there, obviously. It was complete disrespect to even wear a kimono or gi there. Obviously, cause what the Japanese did to them, which is a whole other thing. Go watch uh, Go watch for a dramatic, dramatized version of that. Go watch Chinese Connection with Bruce Lee. We'll be brought up probably in the broadcast this weekend a lot. Or uh, go watch uh, Jet Li's um, Fist of Legend. Great, good choreography. Good Yin Wu Ping choreography there. Sorry, this is obviously a sweet spot for Dan Tom, you know, with the, the Kung Fu, the Chinese, my background, and personal journeys, obviously. But let me tell you, just as an American teenager, I mean, just going there um, really just shaped shaped my, you know, shaped my viewpoint, you know. Um, you know, I, going to bathrooms and holes in the wall, having to barter for food, eating scorpions and snake stew and... All this shit. It was crazy. And at least at this time, it's different now, but the only time pre-9-11 you could fly in to mainland China was through Shanghai. Uh, we, we, uh, we flew out of Beijing. Um, was the, Beijing was like, we're back to Western civilization. That was after uh, we were at the temple because the temple was countryside. But you only could fly into Shanghai. So my first experience is relevant to the breakdown. I know this is, this is long, but hey, this is what's he going to hear these fucking stories from? So we fly into Shanghai. It's the year 2000, and it's foggy. And if you don't know anything about Shanghai, the architecture is, is fucking amazing. Like, it's crazy. Like, even in the year 2000, I mean, it's that, it's that nouveau architecture where the building is coming out at, an, at, at a 45-degree inward angle, coming out at you and upward. Um, it's just, just insane-looking stuff. And it just felt like I was in a different country. I mean, a 15-hour flight, let me tell you, if you guys haven't done that, if you haven't gone to Australia or Asia and haven't done one of those long flights, it's like another. It's like you're on another planet. Now, luckily, the whole, it was, the, the karate studio spanned, originally in Boston, so it had studios from all over the United States, and we all organized this trip, and it was enough to essentially buy out at least a whole cabin of uh, United Airlines. So it was great. We essentially it was like a party, even though we were in coach. It was essentially like party, uh, a party uh, plane because we we're all everybody knew each other, or we all had the same karate dojo shirts. So it was like, hey, what's going on? And just it's funny. At a certain point, the the flight attendants were just fucking cowering in their cabins because we just took over the cabin. But it, it, we landed. It felt like a fucking other world. And I was really lucky. This white white dude from San Francisco was just a another another student as well who signed up for the trip was was there, and he's he was an architect. So, and I was sitting next to him. So he's sitting there actually like explaining the history, which I'm a nerd about all that shit. So I was enjoying it uh, about all this stuff, and and it just feels like you're in another fucking planet. And of course we get there, and um, and uh, we uh, me and my buddy Christian, my buddy Christian Silva, my my Brazilian buddy. He he actually was one. He ended up introducing me to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and MMA, even though I was quickly shied away from it because you know coaches and teachers at the time you don't need that everything you need is here you know, all that stuff and well maybe not not all of them a lot of them were really good dudes but uh but yeah anyways um uh, by, by my brazilian uh my, my partner in crime uh christian silva there was was there with was there with me and we're like well it's uh, y'all whether we pull over by cops or whatever i was gonna get in trouble with them so i was like well that's a good idea let's go out in a communist country they just warned us to not go out and all this stuff don't wear don't bring out time magazine don't don't have all these things and you know, this is a different Shanghai, I imagine, than it is even now, because uh, I know Shanghai in particular has done a lot of growing in the last 15 years. And uh, we're walking the streets, and this is uh, a story that I, I told you guys I promised I would tell on the podcast. So this isn't too aimless, but 
essentially just walking the streets and, you know, it's your typical thing. Like, even Hawaii's Chinatown has, like, dudes chopping chickens in the fucking middle of the street. I mean, I maybe not now, but at least in the 80s and, and early 90s when I grew up, it, it was. So it wasn't too outlandish, but, you know, it was that kind of a scene in Shanghai. And we walked by this one dude who's just, like, about to, like, just start chopping some chickens on a block. Like, literally has the white bandana on his head, prob- uh, or at least a white wife beater. And just looks rugged. And I, I probably shouldn't have done this, but uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Wayne's World, but he's he's hitting on Cassandra on the, the top, and he's showing off that he knows can- Cantonese. And I actually used to, uh, s- s- when I was younger, under, under, at least understand I don't remember. I only could speak words and not not too conversational. But uh, Cantonese was, you know, we were told was one of the only places. Uh, Shanghai was one of the only places they would understand uh, with the dialect there. And even then, they would understand, but they they weren't allowed to say because it was a very strictly Mandarin. Was a, you know, I mean, it wasn't like back in the day where everyone had to have the stupid haircut. But I mean, with the language, even then, it was pretty strict. So I was like, I'm gonna try some Cantonese. But of course, I'm an asshole. And, I use the Wayne's World thing where he goes zang and awesome or whatever. So the guy's like doing his chop thing and he does chop. And I'm like right there and he just kind of looks at me and I go zang. And he did not find it funny. In fact, he looked at us rather uncomfortably to where we just walked very fast. And next thing you know, he, with the knife in his hand, started walking behind us, not losing eye contact. So we, we keep walking and we look behind, and the guy is walking behind us with a butcher knife. So we walk a little faster, me and Christian, walking faster, and he's still walking a little faster now behind us. And I say, all right, dude, we got to do the three lefts, three lefts, because it's just process elimination. Guy with a butcher knife is a fucking red flag enough, but let's just, we're, we're trying to be, we're optimists, right? We'll make a left, and maybe he'll just keep going straight. And, of course, he makes a left with us. Okay, well, we got two more lefts. And if by the third left he lefts with us, we're fucking running. And, um, but he's getting closer and closer. And, and yes, by the third left, he made a left, and we fucking ran. Uh, He started running, but we were fast. We were fucking, I was like 14, 15 years old. Like, oh, Dan Tom was fast. That was like peak, that was peak Dan Tom. Running right there, especially with fear in my a- in my eyes and my ass probably. My my asshole was probably clenched super tight. And we just fucking ran. Uh, and it was good times. And yeah, and uh, eventually came back, had a test. Sorry, I was speed up, had a test. Uh, shit my pants on the Great Wall. <laughs> yeah, that was a true story. Uh, used the drill boxes to clean up and left those because there's no... Toilet paper. And by the way, I found a picture. That that story is karma, by the way, of me having an accident on the Great Wall. It's karma because I found a picture of uh, me getting to Shanghai and seeing the bat. And it was actually the nice version of the hole in the wall, hole in the ground. Like it was their like hotel version of it. And we thought it was so fucking caveman. We had to make fun of it. So I took a picture of me like doing the doing the middle stance, the horse stance, squat over, oh, you know, making a face. And I'm like, this is fucking karma. And yes, eventually get to the Shaolin Temple. Maybe I'll post some pics there. It was a, uh, it was amazing. Um, you know, uh, not just seeing the the monks and seeing those actual demonstrations that shit you see online. Like that was real, by the way. We got to actually feel the swords before they went and stabbed each other for the demonstrations. Like they stabbed themselves with real swords and did not cut their skin. It was insane with the qigong or anybody familiar with those type of. Uh, 
practices and whatnot and uh and and yeah and when it came time for the test the test was awesome so i'm just, i'm trying to speed up and give you guys the, the you know, cliff notes of that and if you find something interesting bug me on twitter and uh maybe i'll share more another time but yeah for the black belt test which again wasn't for an actual belt but we all knew what it represented it actually took place over two days and we were told we were going to have time to rest it was going to start the next morning and we were like beat in fact there's another picture uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go on a po posting spree, but uh, I was going through these the other day. And it's me just fucking passed out on the bus on the way up to the temples. We're in Dungfeng, Zhangzhou, fucking region, countryside, right? And uh, by the way, year 2000, that first year, that was the same year Dan Hardy was there. Of course, didn't know Dan Hardy. And, um, you know, I'm not a name now. And, and even Dan Hardy wasn't a name back then, obviously. But uh, kind of weird coincidence. But anyways, neither here nor there. Um, and it was just cool seeing the, uh, the temple because he was you would see Americans there like I would just see like random black dude who looked like a homeless guy like but he was in like the orange monk garb but it was worn and tethered like the dude's been there for a while and like you know he was just a dude who was just like wanted to go live like he probably saw you know David Carradine and he wanted to go be like Kane and live like Kane in the Kung Fu movies if you really knew how Kane be living be going to Thailand and get a rub and tug by you know well maybe not okay well damn why'd you have to take it there but anyways but the point was a lot of people would go would 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 go up there but very few people would be let into certain parts of it and even though we didn't get to see Lohan Hall another part I was kind of hinting at earlier so I'll pay that off here um we did get to go to the Hall of a Thousand Buddhas and it's actually there's actually a thousand Buddhas hand painted on this hall um, but that's, I think th there's a bunch of other reasons that aren't coming to my head of why it's important other than that. And that's where we actually had the final part of the test where we just had to spar each other and, and kick the crap out of each other. I was the youngest. So luckily in hindsight, the guy that I was going with was going really easy on me. He was an older gentleman, looked like John Stewart, probably about age appropriate, younger John Stewart, I guess, John, John Stewart, age appropriate for then. So probably like mid thirties and. Uh, second, this is second trip. My test was I was like 16. I was 16 going on 17. And luckily he was like avoiding blasting me in the face because people were getting blasted in the face around me. But uh, I just remember him hitting me hard in the body, knocking the wind out of me. And just he kept doing a lot of because he didn't want to hit me in the face. He was compensating and like would catch my kicks and like just like leg trip me. I just remember in, in that hall, it was just concrete floor, um, wall, a thousand Buddhas and um. I just remember just hitting the concrete floor going hard like oh fuck I'm I'm not used I'm used to being like pampered American and falling on the carpet <laughs> you know the dojo or some shit right or we got mats and MMA gyms I'm like yeah this is I better have oh that's why I learned how to slap out yeah I gotta use that here and by the way feel free to either yell at me for wasting your time even though I told you you could fast forward but still feel free to yell at me for wasting your time or if not honestly feel free to tell me if you, if you, you think any of these stories are cool because you know, there is a little selfish part that is true. Uh, a theater, uh, a theater professor once told me, "We tell stories for ourselves, not really for others." And I won't lie; there's a little bit of that going on now. But how many people do you know have these stories? I'll wait. Yeah, yeah. Shut up. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. No, seriously though. Uh, thank you for 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 suffering through these. Honestly, uh, I'm trying uh, trying to speed it up and get to the breakdown here. I will probably uh, actually. I'll probably. I will probably. Uh, break and then just do the second half here and that'll actually be easier for the show notes so y'all hopefully if you read this beforehand and don't want to listen to any of this you don't have to uh since we're already at like 47 minutes but um yeah we'll, we'll probably do that but uh just tying the bow i guess on china 
leading us to the UFC Shanghai breakdown, so we'll be able to pick up. Uh, it was it was an amazing experience, you know. Um, uh, yeah, passed the tests, of course. And uh, when we got to Beijing, the instructors got me really fucking drunk. <laughs> There's other funny stories that involve that, which I won't share with you here. But I did get drunk enough to share with, uh, I think, Goes, Felder, and, and Butler on the Virginia trip, so... They probably look at, they probably, uh, <laughs> that was a fun, that was a fun night. We were all sharing some crazy stories, but yeah, China was, China was a blast, man. I mean, I, I just, I just, you know, it just, just, just one of the, one of those, one of those eye-opening experiences just to go to a communist country like that. It's just, it, everything's different there. I mean, even when we're going out and getting drunk, I mean, it was just dudes, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're like, I was like, even, yeah, I was 16, it was probably, too young to be thinking about girls, but I was just like, hey, where's the girls at? And it was funny, we're like, this is, the girls don't go out on the night after work to blow off steam. Like, we're in a, we're in a different place. Like, it's not that kind of environment here. Women, I mean, it's not like the, you know, some places you hear in the Middle East, but, you know, <laughs> some places, some, some of my Asian people don't traditionally uh, give women the, uh, yeah, they don't have the most, uh, the freedoms, let's just say you know, I'm not saying it's like that now or on paper, but people who know, uh, you know, that culture know what I'm talking about. So, uh, and it's my culture. I'm not talking bad about it. I'm just, just being real. It's very eye-opening. It makes you appreciate where you are. So on that beat, we're going to take a break and there will be no more stories, just technical analysis. I promise on this special edition here on Thanksgiving, Black Friday, whenever you're listening of the Protect Your Neck podcast. Tech Your Neck podcast for the UFC Shanghai Breakdown. And that's right. It's a Shanghai Breakdown uh, podcast where we're actually going to finally get to the breakdown. Um, either sorry for that or you're welcome, depending on, <laughs> depending, depending on how you enjoyed it. I did. But uh, this, is, this is the bread and butter. This is why you're here. This is why I'm here. Let's be honest. <laughs> we're going to start from bottom to top as we usually do. And, hey, I guess the good thing about, you know, the, these cards, uh, you know, I was complaining about that. We're all complaining about this one. Let's be honest. Uh, you know these very weak cards. No other word around it. And with limited sample size, limited footage. Well, at least we'll, we'll be able to make up some time here for the back half of the breakdown. So wasted no time. We start off in the heavyweight division with Cyril Asker, who is all the way up to a 260 favorite. I don't think he opened there. I think he opened in the minus 180 something range. Uh, doesn't really matter. Doesn't surprise me. There's not a lot of uh, footage on his opponent, who is now at plus two twenty, Yao Zong Hu, or as I like to say, huge Yao Zong. <laughs> Sorry, I may or may not be abusing the fact that I'm half Chinese to make some jokes tonight. All right, you've been warned. Um, but yeah, huge Yao Zong um, versus uh, versus Cyril Asker. Um, you know. I, I was able actually to see some some clips of a uh, huge Yao Zong uh, 
Via Twitter, actually, you know the old, the old, uh, the old inter interwebs and search engines weren't 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 doing the trick and weren't pulling up enough. But I was able to at least catch some clips. Uh, shout out to at uh, Mr. Honky on Twitter, by the way, um, uh, for po for for posting some of those. Uh, uh, amongst the many who, uh, who who are good about posting those gifs and 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 being uh, keeping their ear to the grindstone, so. But yeah, um, both are kind of similar in the fact that they're very just not athletic looking, but deceptively athletic. You know, they can put together punches if you give them the opportunity uh, on the ground. If you give them a mount position or a back mount, they can actually ride and float and punch pretty well, both guys. I mean, they, they both have, uh, even with a limited, very limited sample size and footage, and just there's probably not a lot of footage to pull from because Hugh Zhang, uh, you know, only has like three fights or something like that, but... um you know, uh, they also both have guillotine uh, finishes, something I was able to catch as well. Uh, you know, Huge Zong catches his standing, whereas uh, Cyril Asker, um, you know, again, showing his, how agile he is. He's, like, getting proper, getting off to the proper hip, but he's, like, getting off to a hip, dropping to his back, almost like Uriah Faber, like, he's, he's getting the leg up there, kind of cheating the leg on top so they don't hop over, you know, to a half guard or side control to relieve pressure, like... Uh, Again, they're deceptively athletic, but as far as like that ump force, that it, that connective tissue, that um, meaningful wrestling, those key connective pieces, very much so missing in both guys' games. Very much so going to limit both guys going forward. Um, and given the experience, short notice, because... Uh, I'm sorry, there's way too many weird names to even just try to get right or remember who's who... Or what? Uh, I don't know who Cyril Asker was originally supposed to fight. Uh, I should. It's not coming to my head. But yeah, a huge song is getting the call on last uh, last minute. Um. So yeah, it, in that sense, I guess that line's justified. But I'm staying away from it. Um, it's not officially on the avoid list, but I'm avoiding it. And especially with the line only inflating. Uh. I suggest you avoid it too. All right, next I believe is let me make sure. Yep, it's Wuluji. Wuluji. So I'll, I'll I'll try to pronounce some uh, proper, but then I'll probably hear from my Chinese contingent of, of 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 friends and followers that I'm not because, man, Chinese is a weird language, man. Like I can sound impressive and be like. And say shit like that, but man, it's fucking weird because I think like there's one thing like you could get like for example, you could say May May, and I think that's um little sister. But if I go May May, or if I just kind of change the inflection, it's pretty girl. And those are probably two things you don't want to confuse. <laughs> so yeah, Dan Tom got himself into some some trouble um, trying to trying to speak chi Chinese. In fact, a lot of it was coming back to me listening to a lot of this Chinese footage because I would hear their corners and someone... Hey, Dan Tom actually got pretty conversational at a certain point with uh, Mandarin in preparation for my... I would work with a Chinese uh, fucking exchange student that everybody would make fun of and I would, I would teach him... I would teach him English and return to teach me... Uh, uh, teaching me Mandarin. And he, his, his dad was actually a really high-ranking government official. And this kid would fucking wear, he'd ride a bike to school, he fucking would wear red and yellow every damn day. He was so fucking communist. And uh, he'd be like, Did you, can you teach me? I, I teach you the Chinese then, but you need to teach me um, the English, the, uh, how, how do you say, uh, the, uh, the, slang, uh, the slang, the 
teach me how to punch back with my words. I'm like, I got you. Because like this this dude would like he'd be riding his bicycle like just super nerdy, like Chinese kid, like straight out of red corner, fucking red, yellow, just like strolling by school to be like uh it'd be like, let's just say, you know, like this actually happens. The, the gang of black dudes is like, hey, Yao Ming. Because they're just calling him Yao Ming. His name was Ming. And like this actually happens. And I'm not making this up. Like, this, this <laughs> like, hey, hey, yo, Yao Ming, you party? Sure, sure, party, sure. Communist party? Capitalist party? <laughs> like they were just so the look on these guys' face was so fucking confused, like because he was genuine. Like the dude couldn't communicate, so I helped him out in turn. He helped me speak Chinese, but uh, but yeah, listening to these corners brought back certain things that like. Uh, anyways, I don't want to get fucking sidetracked down that hole, but uh, it's really easy to get shit fucking fucking confused, and uh, and yeah. Anyways, uh. I, I'm probably and, and all that said, I'm probably pronouncing all these names wrong. I'm gonna tell you right now, G Buren, which sounds like Van Buren. What is this guy like? Did he did he have a you know did he have a, a Dutch uh, a Dutch dad? I don't know, but he actually does not um, look like much of his Chinese counterparts. He looks very and very limited footage footage on uh, Wuluji. Who's facing Rolando Dai here? Uh, he comes in at a plus 140 dog and against Dai, the favorite, minus 160, which is probably right given the experience. But Dai, who I thought maybe could have even had enough to to beat Caceres, uh, just out of a, just an upset, wasn't like a strong thing, you know, as far as like a live dog goes, uh, which we'll get to Caceres later. But uh, yeah, it didn't really pan out, very inconsistent. And his traditional trope has been wrestling pressure. And Wu Ji is actually like a decent wrestler. Like Chinese national team has a decent wrestling background with them. It shows. And even though his limited sample size, like I was saying, is limited, it, what I could find was early in his career, which is always bad because you can't, you know, really, you know, okay, that's a couple of years ago. He's had X amount of fights since then. He's a different fighter. He's he's grown. Hopefully, obviously, it's. It's it's you know ninety percent win since then okay, um, but usually you're like okay there's definitely room for growth that usually goes along with it and it's rare that I say I'm impressed when I watch fighters early footage much less some Chinese regional fighter and I was actually impressed I mean this guy was he didn't look like he had the potency as far as knockout power and he didn't look like he at least had the confidence in his submission so he didn't really look like he had the finishing abilities in that sense not in the sense that he was trying and miserably failing just. He wasn't exactly, he was going through steps one through four, but not going to five, if it was on a one to five scale, if that makes any sense. And, but, but, but when he was going through steps one through four, it looked very nice, like, you know, from ride positions, uh, and, and you know, floating on top side, um, stuff like that. And that impressed me for one, if he's grown since then with his age, uh, the on paper reports, his on-paper background, factoring all these things in, um, A, I have to imagine he's better, and I'm, I'm actually kind of ex excited more than the other uh, Chinese debutants to see what this guy looks like now. Um, especially getting, uh, I believe he's been getting training, boy, it's get, it gets confusing, I don't want to get dicey and throw out, like, the American top team Thailands, or, or, or what do you, what you call, uh, you know, or anything like that, and but uh, I believe he's, you know, like a lot of these guys, they're smart. They're getting out of mainland China or at least being fueled by mainland China to get out of mainland China because I think that's the only way you still get out of mainland, mainland China. 
But uh, wrestling has traditionally been the trope for Rolando D, so I, I see Wulu G getting it done. I, I played him straight uh, only at, uh, <clears throat> I don't know if it was half or quarter unit, but you get the point. Not big, but put my money where my mouth is. He's the pick. Uh, played him light. He is also on. The DraftKings team, which is interesting because you have a lot of dogs to pick from and mid-range guys. So usually that's the complaint. You want to be able to have all these like high-quality mid-range guys. You, whereas most of us, we fall into the, the traditional you know trope of going for all the, oh, I want to get these high high price guys and these guys that we know we're going to finish. All these tempting, ooh, flashy fruit at the top that we want to pick. And I'm in the same boat with you. But that leaves us kind of you know rolling the dice on dogs. And sometimes those dogs hit. Um, thank you for those who gave me a shout out on Twitter for the link uh, for the Nick Lentz uh, for the Nick Lentz pick. I'm not a fan of Lentz, but uh, I did stand by the reasons why I put him on there. And hey, I guess it came through, which sucks for books because I was, you know, not not I don't know if I was rooting for the guy. I definitely I definitely was rooting for his career because his career fucking needed it. But anyway, that's another story. But anyways, uh, he's on the DraftKings team, so make sure you're you're checking out the DraftKings team. All that course listed at MMAJunkie.com, which is the breakdown I'm referencing. All right, next fight. Let's get this game thing rolling. Yanan Wu versus Gina Manzani is on the fights to avoid um, because uh, I love Gina. She's an extreme couture fighter, of course, so there's bias there. So for one, even if uh, this fight didn't call to be on the avoid list, I would probably put it on the avoid list anyways, knowing my bias, whether I feel good about the pick or not. Bias is bias, and that can be dangerous. But if there wasn't bias there, this would still be on the avoid list. Very limited sample size on Wu. She's right up there uh, with uh, Huge Zong for uh, limited sample size. And uh, but you know she also looks like she has the the uh, <laughs> don't say retard. She looks like she has a special strength. <laughs> Jesus, damn, that's might as well. You might as well fucking said at that point. She looks like she has some special strength, which worries me. That might give you know Gina some problems, and I mean that like. In a kind way, like uh, let's let's put this in real terms. Like, you know, she looks like she could have that Caitlin Vieira factor, right? You know, there, there's more there than meets the eye from the will, physicalness, and skill, all kind of correlating to that invisible connective tissue, intangible, the oomph that gets it done. And she ha has shown that she has it. Caitlin Vieira has. I don't. I wouldn't go so far to say that with this girl, but there's something brewing there. But everything is very kind of cavemanish in the way she puts together her punches, even in the limited sample size where she's on top. It's very like. She's, you know, she's a size, she looks like she's a physical girl, um, which, you know, uh, Gina's got a good wrestling background and she does like some pro wrestling on the side. She always keeps in good shape. She's got a great build to her. Um, she's like a great physical build. Um, uh, and so, I, you know, when I see her, you know, not to stereotype my own people, but when I, you know, before, get, before getting into the footage, I see her matched up with an Asian girl. I'm like, oh, sweet. She'll probably be able to overpower, uh, hopefully at least. I get the footage of uh, Wu. And uh, just very just like, hmm, me hold you down, <laughs> me risk control, me punch. <laughs> like, it very, very felt like that from the limited limited sample size. I could see of her on top. Wow, Dan, those are very, very rude. I apologize. It's Thanksgiving. It's, it's Christmas, Theo. It's the time of medicals. Try hard. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so this one's on the avoid list. Uh, Mizani, for people that are curious, uh, her sample size is tricky because there's a lot of gaps there. Like many of the females, to no fault of their own, they don't. You don't have the best, especially when you're talking about regional fights. Uh, you don't have the best to draw draw from, so you're not necessarily fighting the most qualified individuals to be in the ring with you sometimes. And um, well, that's kind of rude too. But that's just kind of that's something you could say about literally every girl on here, though. So I mean, it's not really that rude, right? 
Um, and to no, again, to no fault of their own. It's just, you know, when I talk about, when I abuse these world sa word sample size, it's for a reason, folks. And it's because it's very limited there. And uh, that being said, it could be a double-edged sword. It could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing, it can mislead you, it can dislead you. That's not even a word, but you get what I'm saying. And what I am saying is that even though my ass, you know, as uh, as, 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 as Eric and, and, and Uriah and everybody was busting my chops on the show this week for, not in the gym as much as they should be, um, but when I am there, you know, uh, I've seen her there over the years with, you know, big names, um, girls and, and doing well and holding her own. And she's much better and much more well-rounded than she appears. Um, I think she has the tools to get it done here. I really do. That said, I won't be playing anything. Um, I don't think you should either for this fight, either side. Even if you're on the other side, it's just one of those fights. So it's on my avoid list. Good luck if you do. Not saying, you know, my word's fucking gospel. But, you know, hey, for what my opinion's worth, that's what this show is, right? I guess I got to give it. So there it is. Uh, all right, next fight. Oh, Sherman versus Abdurakimov. This one is not on the avoids list, but it could be. I mean, I thought about playing it when, even when Abdurakimov, I missed him as a dog, but even when he was, uh, I think he was like minus like 150 or 140 on the come up or something like that. Let's see what he's at now. Um, 135. Oh, wow. Okay, dropped down. He was like getting up to 185, like almost to 200. Now he was kind of coming down. Obviously, uh, you know, Chase Sherman's popularity on Twitter and the social medias. Uh, I want to guess has something to do with it because when you look at it, they're on paper and MMA math doesn't always work, but you look at who they fought and this and that. Shamil is the better on paper fighter. He's more experienced. Uh, they're both very durable guys. They both also um, look like they hit harder than they do, to put kindly. So, you know, the overs and these weird angles and it just makes this thing really funny to play when you start incorporating that angle in a heavyweight fight because heavyweights with those intangibles are kind of weird to come along, much less when they face each other, you know. So that could create all type of weirdness. But I guess the reason why I like Abdurakimov, we'll get more into it, but with the uh, Wushu Sanda fighting and stuff like that, uh, these guys are essentially, uh, by the way, I, get, I explained to the background how it comes from Chinese Sanda and how it's a form of kickboxing based off of traditional Chinese martial arts and a form an attempt to get into form of competitive sport martial arts. Yeah, yeah, go read the breakdown on Junkie. But, um, Abdurakimov, like many of these Dagestani guys, uh, Russia, obviously Dagestan, part of Russia, creates a, uh, these, 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 you know, these, a lot of these warriors come out of there, right? These mountain people, right? These very uh, hairy, burly, manly man, and I mean that complimentary, <laughs> um, you know, and whatnot. But uh, there's a part of Dagestan called uh, Mahachkala, and it's very rich as far as producing... Um, the strikers as opposed to the wrestlers if we're looking at it broad terms and the striking style the, the wrestlers is, is sambo obviously it could be even those type of guys but the striking style is sanda uh wushu sanda and it's it's very big in that uh, region of uh, dagestan and it's where a lot of these guys hail from or at least their training brings them to because it's just very rich with that and uh What's rich in that style is catching, kicks, and countering. And we saw that every time Derek Lewis would kick Shamil, he would pay for it. And as dangerous as Derek Lewis is, catching a kick and countering scores points, get you control, control time, and disrupt a guy's game. That's huge. That is huge. That's huge when it's a guy that can finish a fight from literally any position like Derek Lewis. And I imagine it's going to pay much more dividends against a guy who is maybe not as experienced in big fights, not as well-rounded as Lewis, and 
obviously not as much knockout power. And in fact, maybe you could even criticize his knockout power unless he lands a flush elbow to your face after landing a thousand strikes like he did to Rashad Coulter. But you get what I'm saying here. Uh, Abdurakimov, in that sense, when you kind of just do that layout, um, worth a play. I may sprinkle actually on him now. He's kind of creeping back down. Uh, I don't know if I want to tempt fate and see if he creeps down further, even though he could. Again, this, this kind of tests the popularity of Sherman, right? Uh, either way, I don't hate you for playing Shamil. I just would kind of... Um, this is a wait and see for Sherman. I mean, I hope he has upside to him. I'm not hating on the dude. You know, it'd be nice to see him to come out and do well. Uh, you can't hate the kid for trying, as far as the social media games, the day and age we're in. So, not hating on him at all, but that's the read on this fight. All right, next fight. Um, Baccarat Kandare, or Borat Kandare, actually Barat, I'm sure, Kandare, sorry to butcher him, he's the first Indian-born fighter, I guess the wrestler guy um, on that Canadian card, uh, I guess he wasn't born there, he might have been born in Canada, Canadian-born Indian, but first Indian descent, either way, really cool to see, you know, I'm not Indian or anything, but I get mistaken for him, so, hey, why not, I'll root for y'all, <laughs> um, uh, no, I actually really go uh, India top place that I, I want to go. I want to go to Goa. Not a song, but, you know, go, go. I guess we get it, Dan. We're not retarded like you. Okay, all right, relax. All right, next fight, yeah. It's uh, it's Kandahari versus versus uh, Yadong. Who the fuck is Yadong? Uh, Yadong Song. You don't say Yadong Song. Yadong Song, Song, Song. All right, um, Yerong Song is the minus 145 favorite. Uh, well-rounded, well-rounded kid. Uh, he comes from the Chinese scene, um, but, you know, not as much of a, a prospect as you will. Uh, not like a, a name we're going to get to later. Not like the national wrestling team member of Wu Li Ji uh, or anything like that. But um, well-rounded kid. His base was uh, being a security guard and a... Uh, uh, yeah, which I'm not hating. Old Dan Tom was a security guard. Got some old fight stories I can share too. Um, but uh, but you know, Yadong Song, uh, well rounded. It's just uh, his. You know, he, he finished fights. He's got you know su submission strikes, and he doesn't look like out of sorts on the ground. But if you'll notice, a lot of times he'll be on his back, because when it comes to the wrestling, and again, that connective tissue, that umph, it's going to be a common theme here. I'm talking about, especially a lot of these Chinese fighters. He doesn't lack that, and I think that's really going to hurt him if he wants to go forward uh, as far as the wrestling um, part of that connective tissue that I'm talking about in particular. And the reason why that's relevant in this matchup is because that is, for all of his flaws, that is uh, Kandare's uh, bread and butter. So he is actually my pick. He, this is one's on the avoid list for obvious reasons. Limited sample size. Um, not the most talented guys we're dealing with in general, especially on the card. And, any increment of measurement, really. <laughs> Not that you hate. I'm uh, rooting for this Indian guy to do well, actually. Um, he's got heavy hands. Even has a kick knock, head kick knockout over a veteran striker in the Japanese scene. I mean, so if he can just put it together, he can do well. He's under one of those promotional programs or whatever, developmental programs with the UFC. So he's also one of these guys who's been spending the time at Jackson Wink um, these past, you know, uh, six months. Some guys longer, some guys shorter, depending on this card, but but that that is another common theme. Um, so we'll see if he picked up anything, but really his bread and butter will serve him well. I mean, it got him into a submission in his last fight. Yes, he's coming off a loss, and yes, he's not the only one coming off a loss coming into this card as a debutante. But, uh... 
But yeah, uh, sorry, one. Uno momento, mommy. Slow your tempo. Sorry about that. I uh, got a text from the girlfriend. She is on her way over uh, doing some finishing her Thanksgiving run. So the dogs will go crazy, all that stuff. So uh, I'm going to turn my phone on and I apologize in advance because you guys are going to hear one more beep when she gets here so I can go open the door. So, all right, let me just uh, push forward. Making up for that, but yeah, the pick is Kandari. I, I did, I, I did uh, sprinkle on him personally, but I did not recommend him to play because he's on the avoid list. But if I'm being honest, I, I put, when I say sprinkle on him personally, you know, Tan Down's like a couple bucks just for fun, because literally these kind of cards almost make me want to bet more. Not more. Uh, my bets are very small, even smaller than they normally are uh, for this card. But just for the fact that I have to, especially Pacific, it's not waking up early now. I have to stay up and do an, an all nighter. So. I'm gonna stay up and do, uh, you know, lose more sleep than I already lose. And you know what? I, I, I'm gonna need some degenerate fuel to help, uh, help keep me motivated. <laughs> All right, next fight. Um, next fight. That was third. Yeah, that was the third fight on the avoid list. Next fight, Kylan Kerr. Oh no, this one is. Uh, this one's third fight on the avoid list. We have Kylan Curran as. I don't know if she opened as the favorite or the dog. This this line has kind of bounced back and forth. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk on the Twitter. That's this is one of the fights I've seen a lot of talk on, which is which is crazy. This one's on my avoid list, man. Um, I love Hawaii. I love Kylan Curran. I always root for her, and part of me is rooting for her here. Maybe that's why it's on the avoid list. But I believe the current line of her listing as a plus one thirty dog is correct. Uh, though there's not a lot to go off of in the big scheme of things. Um, more than these other fighters, actually. It feels like a wealth more for Xiao uh, Nanyan, or however you pronounce it. God damn it. I, I should stick to making fun of my own people. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, um, she's another one, though. Went to Jackson Wink, training with uh, uh, you know Holly Holm by the looks of it, and, and, and Michelle Watterson and the girls there. I mean, I imagine you have to be if you're there, right? Not, not like It's the big, biggest pool of ladies, so that's kind of a no-brainer, no I suppose. But... Um, it's a good sign. It's a good sign to see these Chinese fighters getting, you know, American, uh, some American miles and exposure. Because again, it's like different planets to them, just like it's a different planet going over there. It's a different planet here. Uh, what I do like about her game, though, is she's got some real athletic potential. I mean, you just look at the way she moves and explodes in and out, the way she takes angles. Like, there's a lot there to like in the boxing realm. And then the fact that she'll add in these sidekicks, and it's not just, um, it's not just, uh, you know, sidekicks either. Like, she's changing her angles. She's pushing. She's touching. And she's almost even, hook, not throwing hook kicks, but she's hooking with her sidekick. And those three things are all three different things, mind you. Um, in, in fact, it reminds me of back when I was, back in my young days when I was flexible, kiddies. Back in the 90s when Danton was competing. Uh, I was a kid, granted, but competing still regionally and nationally. Uh, I... Uh, I could do like Chinese style splits back then. So I, with my flexibility and my developing kicking acumen, I, f I eventually figured out that, oh, just like when people play me in a video game and they fucking cheese or they spam the, the same button and kick, 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 pump, pump, punch, and they do this, then they beat you like the cheap way and you'd get so mad. You, I throw your controller. I actually didn't. I was, I was pretty good about not being that kid, but you get the scene. We all, we all, we all, we all, we all got, got pretty much there. I had a friend that got there. I realized that, oh, in real-life sparring, there are certain cheats if you could find them. And 
One of them where I would I would start off every match like Fabricio Verdum with a flying sidekick, and I would land on the foot that obviously that didn't throw this flying sidekick. I would post down to catch myself, but the the foot that that, that did kick on the flying sidekick would stay up, and we'd use these different kicks and just kick at their guard because the difference between pushing. Touching and then hooking, you can actually kick, change, rearrange, or kick through someone's guard with the type of side kicks that um, Yan is throwing. And uh, and it was really handy in point sparring because all you need to do is hit them convincingly and cleanly enough for the ref to call it. Um, and then you'd, 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 you'd reset, you know, at least that style of point sparring because, again, you know, I, I was teenage kid, adolescent, you know, there's slightly different rules there. We weren't going to complete knockout like when we got to the black belt level or anything. Like you hear Rogan telling stories about, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> Seen it. Seen it. But, uh, but I really appreciate that, uh, I guess is a long-winded way of saying saying that. And parlaying that's why I brought up the, the Holly Holm thing. Um, I got to imagine, you know, one of, the, one of the, 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 the better sidekickers in the sport as far as female MMA goes, Holly Holm. She's going to learn some tricks because Holly Holm was great about, you know, parlaying uh, round kicks, you know, I like saying tie kicks to side kicks because it writes well and it rhymes well, but it's more for Holly Holm, it's more round kicks, the way she throws her kicks a lot of the times. Um, but and she parlays that really well to a side kick. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if she's going to, you know, Shawn Michaels, uh, anybody with it, right? Well, WWF reference there, but uh, I see it doing well, especially when you just see, again, I love I love Kyle and have a beach re- represent but i mean when you see her get hit man it's not a good sign like when Al- i mean albu is a, is a force man and she was key eyeing when she was coming out with everything and i, I appreciate that and i know shout out to brian scuno i know my man brian appreciates that alexandra albu but that's for different reasons <laughs> but uh, hey brian you know you admit it buddy but uh but you know uh nothing wrong with that too by the way but uh but yeah just like watching that fight and just what, reading the body language, and obviously, you know, going between rounds two and three, Perillo, you see his cornering style with her, his history with other fighters, and he's a real guy. So when he's being real, it's deserved, and you probably, you know, it, it, all resorts have been pulled if he's being that real with you. You know, we, we've seen it with certain BJ Penn fights where, he, you know, it pulls that certain gear out of Perillo, and justifiably so. You need to be firing up his fighter. And, um, you see him doing it to, to Curran and just the body language. And she actually did better than I thought she would in the third round. She had her moments for sure. Um, but, I mean, it's like, and her output's not bad in these rounds either, but it's it's the body language. And even though that one stands out, it's actually the rounds going from round one to two in that fight that stands out for me because you just, you see it like the, it reminded me of, in a different way, it was more desperate. Whereas, whereas Worley Alves was more, I'm tired. But it was very similar, akin to Worley Alves, um, where it was like, oh, is the round over yet? Oh, fucking thank God. And whether it's because you're tired or, or physically or it's an emotional thing, that's not good. That's not good when you are when you're a relief. When there's any type of relief that the round is over, that's usually not good. Now, if you just got rocked and you're in survival mode, like, yeah, you earn being relief. You can let even allow, you, you might as actually, it's probably good to, to crack a smile about it at that point. But... There's a little bit of a difference in what I'm talking about, and hopefully I'm I'm explaining it good enough. So, anyways, the pick is Yan. It's not a confident one. That's why it's on the avoid list. Um, would like to see Curran do well, man. I really would, but 
But uh, but the pick is the debutante because even though her sample size isn't great, we've seen that, especially in the female division, that you don't need the round time or necessarily the quality of competition. Sometimes it's what the eyes see. And uh, that is the good thing about... Um, again, <laughs> I don't want to come off tap my own horn or anything, but dude, when you actually spend time watching this footage and you have a, a lifetime of just having punches and kicks thrown at you, it's not a fucking clear read. It's nothing I feel confident in. It's nothing I'm, I'm, I'm bragging about, so I hope it doesn't come off that way. But what I'm saying is that in situations where there's little to draw from, it helps me immensely, I, I believe, more than the average Joe get a read on potentially what we're looking at, if that makes sense. Anyways, all right, next fight. Uh, Keenan Song, another song. This one goes out to all the ladies out there. Versus Bobby Nash as the favorite, minus 310, who is a parlay piece and a prop, as we have Nash inside the distance, minus 120, half unit. Um, and it's pretty bad on the guy on a two-fight losing streak, your most confident, and potential tennis use your most confident pick. But he is, because again, this one is more more for the matchup song, a little choppy. Uh, he is a guy as well, he's kind of come through the Chinese regional scene as far as their regional circuits. Um also doing training, I believe, at Jackson Wink. I believe he's part of that crew. Under, you know, T and Tran Zhong and all those dudes like that. And, um, like that, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's the Chinese crew. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's kind of choppy. Um, serviceable striking would be a kind word. And that's probably how I described it in my, uh, Drafting ex explanation where I'll kind of dive into some of the fights that I don't break down on the main cards. Always good to read the DraftKings section, even if you're not a DraftKings player, because there I will touch on why a lot of times why I'm so confident in certain picks or not confident or why you should be worrisome, etc., etc. It's where I can kind of fit in the extra tidbits for you. So go check that out. But um, the guy's tall for the division song, six foot, but, but with that, he's very upright. His, his head's there to be hit. And his favorite thing is the left hook. The problem with that is Bobby Nash's favorite shot is his left hook. And the problem is not only does Bobby Nash have a good and dangerous left hook, but his left hook is better. And it against a guy, again, is a little choppy, a little robotic, a little upright, little green, little raw. That is Mr. Song. I see the left hook and the potential right-hand follow-up being there. For Mr. Bobby Nash, um, Mr. Song does like to change some levels when he can get his opponent by the fence. And, you know, he puts his powerful frame to use. Uh, his athleticism will shine there in the way he will commit, um, you know, whether it's the best level changes, whether his head's suspect to get caught in uppercut on the way in is another thing. But as far as his commitment to the shot, it's there. The problem is even though Nash likes to strike, which has gotten the better of him in the last two outings against quality opposition, mind you, Lee Ling Shi, which we'll get to in a second, and uh, Bobby Hot Chocolate. Um, you know, he's he, he comes from a wrestling base. He wrestled collegiately, and I believe he can stop the shot, which means, at least in Mr. Song's case, unless he's evolved heavily, which these guys could because, again, they're coming off losses, they're coming off layoffs, and they're coming off their first American training camps or American training camp experiences. I get it. But I think that's a little bit overrated, too, a lot of times. We have to, it's the, especially, you know, we, we see high-level season guys when they change camps. We all see that. I always talk about that first effect. You always got to give, you always got to let them settle before we see the, the really good effect there. Especially when you have language barriers and all those other things. You know, it's really tough. We see guys float around and even get flushed out. Um, you know, we saw that a lot with the Mexican fighters and even the UFC fighters' attitude toward their Mexican developmental program. So, 
take it with a grain of salt when they try to come in booming, which I know booming sounds sad when you look at the records, but this is their effort coming in booming to a market. Take it with a grain of salt. You're going to get mixed results. Um, I think Bobby Nash gets it here. Um, this is another one on Twitter that I don't think I'm alone on. So uh, I don't think I really talk more much about that. All right, last fight on the prelims is the last fight on the avoids list, which is crazy because it's the fight I'm arguably, a lot of people arguably, you should be arguably most excited about. That is Shaman Mirai. Shaman versus Zabit Magomed Shapirov, or as I like to say, don't mess with the Zabit because his hair looks like don't mess with the Zohan. He looks like an emaciated don't mess with the Zohan if he had, like, AIDS and shit, right? Like, that's what Zabit Magomed Shapirov looks like. But he's like the mad scientist who wakes up Magomed Shapirov and he wakes up and he gets crazy and has all these crazy tools. And you guys know I, I pontificate about his game like crazy. Uh, everybody talks about his striking. I did too. And he shows the boxing range, which is important about that flash. We saw a friend of his and, you know, a fellow Northern Caucus fighter, uh, fall short at the boxing range, which can be the criticism of those guys often, which, which makes sense when, 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 when you know, uh, when, when we dive in and I talk more about uh, again and again, you, whatever I, I I do and have missed about the Wushu Sanda, touch on the breakdown, go read that. But the, there is similar criticisms to that, and again, Chinese Sanda to Wushu Sanda incorporated by uh, Dagestan fighters in the North Caucasus regions, very similar attributes, but. Zabit actually has uh, tools at boxing range. You know, we saw it when Mike Santiago would shell up. He didn't think twice by going to the body. Not only does he have the angle step-off footwork when a guy comes in that's beautiful, but he won't even like hit you know your normal check hooks, which is nothing wrong, my favorite shot, but he's hitting uppercuts on these angles when, in these little sublime spaces. So there's a lot to like there, but most importantly, and I said this post and prior um, of his last fights, is wrestling. And we really saw it, you know, uh, the counter wrestling where he has his hips, shifting his hips to the proper side. Even when Mike Santiago, who that's his best trait, you know, is his his forward pressure and his takedown game was deep in a single leg snatch down. Um, Sits Zabit down, but Zabit, you know, uh, checks his oil, which is essentially where he grabs his ass, essentially, um, and uh, uses that to sit himself back up, shift his hips, reposition his arm, push... Mike Santiago's face away in the proper direction. Kick his leg back out. Reset, float, strike, scramble, and go to work. It was beautiful. Um, the way he took the back, uh, put his hooks in, struck, snatched. I mean, he made about, it was probably his third attempt for the neck. I mean, it was making it obvious in that sense, but not obvious in a bad way because he was creative as fuck as the way he was going for it. Um, a different, complete different setup, but it reminded me of the, the, the nature and sentiment very similar to the Kenny Florian BJ Penn. Like I'm watching the Nature Channel, like uh, UFC 101. There, um, that, that that that's what it reminded me of. Um, really good stuff. But I'm of the camp too, where I, I stayed away. Not just because the line's inflated now; he's minus 500. Excuse me, versus Shaman Mariah's plus 400. Which is kind of nuts. On paper and the matchup-wise, like, it makes sense. Like, as good as Shaman Marais is, we've seen the type of fighter he is before. He's very much your stock, come-forward Muay Thai fighter. And uh, not in a bad way. It's very, you know, he's he's doing all the things we like from, oh, he throws hard, he throws fast, he throws accurate, he has a chin. Check, 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 check. 
elbows, in close, knees, mid-range, clinch range, long range, with hard kicks, check, 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 like these basic things he has check marks, but even little things like, uh, you know, his, his lone defeat, even though, you know, I think a lot of people, because of the weight class thing, you know, people forget how, you know, Marlon Moraes, you know, experienced training and fighting uh, featherweight before, and how much his speed actually makes up for a lot of things, and that's actually a Speed aside and size aside, that's a, that's a tough style matchup for uh, Shane and Marais. And the reason why I also bring up Marlon Marais is because both of them are just amazing at throwing their tie kicks and keeping their hands up. It's so hard to do. It really is. I talked about it with Marlon. And when I was watching um, footage on Shane, Shane, by the way, when I, was, I do these weird things and I'll share them with you to risk how crazy I am, but also in hopes that I poison your head to when you're watching these things that you end up, you know, saying, Bochina or Cassim or these random things that I say. I just, I say it in hopes that it fucking poisons your head. Like, you know how you sing a really, really bad song just to ruin your coworkers' days? Like, ha, now you have stuck in your head, fucker. Like, that's what I essentially am trying to do to you guys when I, when I say these names. But, but I, I was legitimately doing I was just watching Shane and Mariah's uh, tapes that he's going, probably because I'm delirious and Dan Tom needs sleep. I was going, Shaman. Come on, Shaman. Shaman. Like, I don't know why. I was like, just very much entertaining myself. Like, if I, God forbid, I would shit myself if I had to fight this guy, but I would just laugh if, you know, or if not me, just someone else had to fight him, just taunt him. She could call him on his cell phone. Shame, man. The fuck you want, man? Stop. Shame, man. Who is this? Come on, shame, man. I'm hanging up the phone. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot to like about him. But at the same sense, you know, it's a basic game. But it's a traditional game, too. Because if Shame and Marais find something, something that he likes... He will pick at it, kind of like a dare until he will like focus on it and keep beating at it and keep beating at it. And that's not a bad thing, mind you. But again, it it's very limited uh, as far as the the output. I think he's going to be out outputted out movement. It's weird to say speed because I don't, you don't want to say Zabit's a fast guy, especially being so lanky. You know, when you miss, you miss big. When you're that long, as as, as Jens Pulver likes to say, when you miss. With the long arms, you miss, you miss big. And 6'1", 145, I don't, you don't want to misconstrue speed with good movement. And I think it's more good movement on Malcolm Ed Sheripoff's part. But either way, I think he's going to edge him in these key areas. And um, if he wants to show off his wrestling game, I think he can test Marais. Uh, but I'm kind of looking forward selfishly for a striking match here. Either way, for that price especially, and the way it's competitive, I I stay away from this one. Even like the over-under angles, just because this, you know, even though these guys get a lot of finishes traditionally, just kind of looking at their records, this is more one of those matchups on paper where they're smart guys, they're talented guys, they both have high trajectories, high ceilings, and they could meet again in the future, and they both, they all, they both know that it's an important fight, and they have a long ways to go still. So with all those things said... You can tend to see this could be a fight where you could see him come out and fight safe. We could see both guys come out and fight smart. Or we just see one guy come out and fight safe, smart, and conservative. And that, in turn, makes for a conservative, safe, smart fight. Right? We've, we've seen that a billion times. It's kind of this one of my working theories I talk about in this show and I've been, I've been watching. My, one of my 
more relevant canaries in a coal mine, if you will. So that's why I'm kind of staying away. I'm just going to watch this one. Good luck if you're playing it or if you were part of the reason why it's inflated and you're already bought it in as a beat. Good luck on you there because he's my pick. Um, and got love for Shaman. But it's on to the main card. Uh, Muslim Salikov, minus 220 favorite. There's uh, Alex Caceres is the... Oh, no, 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 no. Alex Garcia, sorry. The plus 180 dog. I actually came into this fight slightly leaning Alex Garcia, wanting for a reason to bet him. But after rewatching tape on both guys, uh, no. I don't think it's, it should be a minus 220. I, I got to imagine the public did that. Look what you did. Look what you did. But uh, I, I'd imagine it opened a little lower. But I get it. You know, I, I get the confidence there. I actually didn't play Muslim at all. I think I just stayed the fuck away from this one, to be honest, with the way it's priced out. I think even inside the distance, is, it was chalk at the point I was looking at it from, you know, 24, 48 hours ago, whenever it was. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, there's just a lot of unknowns. I mean, the obvious path here is there's not a big sample size on Muslim Salikov on the ground. Obviously, he is the, not just a Wushu Santa, he is the Wushu Santa guy, one of the few guys to win, uh, a, a, a very, uh, elite tournament, um, as far as Wushu Santa showing his go. He's like the BJ Penn. He's like the first, uh, you know, the first non-Brazilian to win Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, he's like the first non-Chinese guy to win this Wushu tournament, essentially, to put in in those terms. Um, and again, the style has its flaws. There's not a lot of ground game in it. So when you see these guys get to the ground, like, uh, you know, these Abdurakimovs or uh, a guy broke down for ACB, Ruslan, they're the former heavyweight champion when I did a breakdown on him, Ruslan Salamgiri. You know, you see these guys get to the ground. They're great at catching, kick, and countering. And if there's a positional ride there, like, they'll take it and they'll punch from it. But they'll usually break away really fast. They're not hanging out. It's for a reason because even though, you know, this is why you can't, you know, just watch highlight reels. Because even though he's all these crazy throws that make it look like he's a good wrestler. Which, again, Wushu Sanda, like Muay Thai, it's right up there with Muay Thai. Muay Thai, in my opinion, is above it for obvious reasons all around. But particularly in the wrestling. But in its defense in regards to wrestling... It is one of the striking arts that's, that, that is more up there in regards to producing natural wrestlers because it incorporates so much clinch work and throwing. So even though these guys aren't great transitional wrestlers, like kind of the guy you'll see we'll be talking about next, uh, Wang Guan, you'll see that they, they do have an inherent sense for the underhook. They don't have an inherent sense for once you start getting going on a chain and once you start getting past that point of an underhook because underhook's more step one or two in that one through five spectrum once you start chaining off to steps three or four uh, forget even getting all the way to a five they're kind of getting lost because it's not in their sport um but underhook since that is a part of throws and overhooks are a part of throws and leverage they these guys are pretty smart when it comes to that and you see that with um with muslim which is gonna which is gonna serve him well because Alex Garcia does his best stuff from the clinch. Like he can shoot takedowns really well, but he's really seldom on those. He's even more seldom, and I got to imagine it's just suspect gas tank. He's always had a suspect gas tank, and it's only seemingly get gotten worse. Like his tropes go go past any kind of drug testing period or any kind of speculation that I've heard you know thrown at Alex Garcia before, which I don't I don't blame. But I'm just saying what I am saying. I guess I should say is. It's not even that. I'm not even going there with this because it's something that's really enrooted and entrenched in his game when you start watching his footage all the way back. 
Um, I mean, he has made upgrades, you know, in, in his defense. You know, Alex Garcia came in, you know, from from the, uh, the Ben Wall or whatever victory, and you know, when he starts coming in around that time, the AFC, like he's 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 depending on hooks and uppercuts and his and power punches, but you can kind of see the time at, at TriStar wear on Alex Garcia, and I explain it more in the breakdown, but you see him incorporate the jab, whether he's, you know, corkscrewing it from the high guard or he's throwing it at, at odd angles. Um, he's setting up his power shots better, essentially, from it. Uh, so it's not like the guy's not making improvements, but with that traditional trope there, unless he gets a takedown game going, then I'm not sure he's going to win this fight. And even if he does take the get the takedown game going. I don't think he's going to get off ground and pound or submissions because it's not that he doesn't have it. He has heavy ground striking, and he has a serviceable submission game. I mean, he's competed IBJJF. He's got multiple grappling accolades, but it's more sport jujitsu. And if you're not familiar with sport jujitsu, let me just say he has more of a sport jujitsu style, meaning it's more of a control style grappling. So it's more for position and points, which translates great for winning rounds to MMA if your gas tank can hold up. But it's not exactly like I'm, I'm going to count on him selling out, which is going to be interesting because this is exactly what the matchup calls for. He has to sell out. So I'm going to be real interesting to see if Alex Garcia does do that because um, he will have a, a, a much better uh, advantage against Salikov. Against Again, limited sample size, and what's there isn't good. He primarily looks to stall, Muslim does. He just like unabashedly just grabs and tries to stall which is not impressive at all, granted, but it'll probably limit the ground and pound Garcia could do um, and uh, maybe even force a stand-up. Not that you know you want to look forward to that or whatever, but uh, the point is if, if, if Garcia doesn't stall, then he's going to have to really work this guy over, and I don't think he's going to get tired because, again, stalling is not, not great for, for a Muslim, but... Uh, It'll at the very least, you know, uh, he at the very least conserves energy. That That is one good thing in his fights. He, he doesn't tire because whether he's in bad spots or, you know, he's having a trouble a little bit producing the finish, he will um, eventually, you know, work his way to that finish uh, calmly. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be stamina. It seems to be a factor. Sometimes he has trouble feeling out the fight, but he eventually will get it. Uh, I actually don't, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one of his spinning shots get it. He's really good at steering guys into there when they don't play. Like most guys, he likes to counter kicks, which is going to be a problem because Alex Garcia doesn't throw kicks. Um, he throws punches. But when a guy's reluctant to throw kicks or engage, Muslim does a really good job at steering his opponents into spin kicks. And that's a whole other science, which I'm not going to get uh, down into breaking down here. Um... But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit him with a spin kick. But, like, in my breakdown, I actually think he's going to do one of those uh, where, you know, a lot of times you'll see guys counterbalance off their spin kicks with a shot. And the counterbalance is to, A, like the name suggests, it counterbalances your weight because you just executed a spin. So sometimes you have to throw a back fist, a cross, or a almost another a spin back fist the other way, depending on what type of spin, what the scenario calls for, to reset your balance. But what it also does is it forms defense because throwing the strike out there, having your forearm and arm as an extension to throw a strike sometimes serves as a block as well. So not only are you counterbalancing yourself for an attack that can kind of make you vulnerable, um, you're also having a defense out there. 
Now, guys like Muslim will take it a step further, and they will counterbalance themselves with a defensive shot that is accurate and can actually put people out. I think that's what he does. I think he dazzles them with a spin kick, hits them with the cross. But you know what? Alex Garcia has not got power, too, and he could knock off this train, which will suck for people who bet him because I think a lot of people, I think I saw, this was another one on Twitter where I saw a lot of action on. Um, I, I, again, I stayed away from it for the reasons mentioned. But uh, good luck to you if you bet him because he's my pick. Solikov's the pick as the uh, cell phone you heard went off. Um, lady is outside, so I'm going to let her in, get back in here, and close this out. All right. All right, we're back. Sorry about that. As you can hear, probably will be able to hear these savage dogs are running around in the background. I've kept you long enough. Three more fights, one email. We'll be out of here. Hopefully, under 12 to 15 is what I'm going to set for. So, next is Alex Caceres versus Wang Guan. Alex Caceres, minus 150 favorite. Wang Guan, plus 130 dog. About where it should be. Caceres should be the favorite. Again, more proven product. More well-rounded fighter. More experienced fighter. But... Not so much maybe the Chinese fighter fighting at home, but looking at Wang Guang just from the technical side, most importantly, focus of this show, there's a lot to like. Uh, Predinatural power, accuracy, shot selection, just really one of the more potent punchers, you know, um, I don't want to say on the card, but as far as the Chinese prospects go, as far as the guys under 155 perhaps go, yeah, he's up there as far as his card goes, which I know says a lot for this card, I know. But just for perspective there. Um, and enough power to perhaps maybe even put away an Alex Caceres type, you know. He he's, comes from the Wushu Sanda base too, but he actually has tie boxing bouts. And his style, it doesn't just say it on the paper. Like, you look at his style, uh, Wang Guan, it actually kind of shows through. Uh, really potent with his leg kicks, his tie kicks to the head very hard. Um, hooks, he's got elbows. Uh, again, just really potent, really accurate. And we've seen that, that kind of pressure, potent, accurate punching, counter-punching off of pressure. Uh, you know, guys from, uh, you know, uh, Rivera. To even earlier fights where Caceres won... Um, against uh, Edwin Figueroa, you know, these Muay Thai types. He, he struggled with that before. Uh, that Figueroa fight, that was that classic fight where even Caceres back then was just taken. Because, again, I love Caceres' style, love his flow, love the whole Bruce Leroy gimmick, the one with the universe. You go, boy. Do your thing, man. But that low-handed style is costly, and we've seen that in that Figueroa fight. That was that classic one where he gets uh, he gets to the round, like, all right, it's the third round, and he got dropped in in the first. He he or he got in the second. He lost track. He thought he got done with the first, so he thought he's going into the second round. His corner tells him he's going into the third, and he's like freaking out. And he's like going, "No, you're a liar!" Like that was that classic fight, scary stuff. And we've seen him get dropped and rocked since then. Um, he's had some big victories too, like the Sergio Pettis win, albeit opportunistic. Dropped him with his beautiful, and not taking anything away from Caceres. Beautiful left cross, which he uses well as a counter, which I suspect he's going to do here with a potent come-forward guy like Wang. But those threats are going to be real live, man. And the thing is, even though Caceres is very underrated as a transitional grappler, very good at finding the back, very good in a scramble, he doesn't create him or just create the opportunities to take fights to the ground enough. It's very opportunistic if you really look at his takedowns. First of all, there's not many on paper, and if you go back and look through them like I did, he's not exactly forcing the issue, you could say. you know, He has traditional shots that he will dust off from now and then, 
but really most of his work's done from the body lock. He does well from the body lock. Like he's got good outside trips. He's got a good sense of when to hit him, and even defensive wrestling, counter wrestling's really good. Really good base and balance. Benjamin, I thought he was freaking out, rolling around over there. Um, you know, so he's, there's a lot to like, but he doesn't do it enough. And now you know he's he, Bruce Leroy, but he is getting older. He is pretty experienced. He's been around for a minute. Especially when you count his street fighting days and, and, and the miles and time put in there for good and bad. Um, I don't know how much he's going to change his style, you know. I think he's going to be real caught up in the, the Bruce Leroy. I'm in the home of Bruce Lee, which I would be too, man. I was when I was there. Shoot, I had a burnt CD when I went to my China trip. I had like shit from like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pennywise, and stuff like that. But I even had, I was a nerd now, man. I'm not going to lie. I had a, I may have had John Williams' Duel of the Fates from Star Wars soundtrack and random shit like from Kung Fu movies to get me pumped. Like I was a Jedi going to the fucking Jedi Temple. Essentially, right? Fucking birthplace of martial arts. Why not? I'm sure, you know, that's going to have positive and negatives for Caceres. But what I can't count on is a guy to completely change his game. Oh my gosh, my dogs are freaking out, just rolling around. Never does it this this crazily, but of course, you're going to do it now, you savage. He, uh, oh yeah, by the way, my dog fucking stabbed me earlier. If anyone follows me on Instagram, it was on my story. I was, uh, I was kind of asking for, I was being playful with him, where I put my head under the pillow, but I kind of jumped onto my bed, and my, my dog followed with me. And it, for me, jumping on the bed, it was like a drunk collapsing, because like I said, I'm... I've barely been, you know, able to hold down through the past couple days till today, and I'm just kind of getting about myself. I'm just, you know, finally getting playful for the first time in like four or five days. Jump on my bed, and again, I'm like a drunk stumbling, but my dog follows me with his jump, and his jump is more like the guy from 300 doing the big, big attack. That's like my dog, super athletic boxer pit bull, right? And he usually lands next to me. He landed on me with his tiger claws. And I literally have a, it's probably about six in, five to six inches long in total, but three to four inches is pretty deep. Uh, I was bleeding and like bandaged up right now, like, uh, like Wolverine. Uh, but, uh, but that's probably a bad reference because Wolverine's got a healing factor, but just this image in that Saturday morning cartoon. Dan, get back on the breakdown. All right. Anyways, the pig is Wang Guan. I played him straight. <laughs> I played him straight uh, for at plus one thirty at half a unit. Um, he is also on the DraftKings, which I'll recap at the end, or you can look at on the breakdown next. Co-main event: Zach Otto plus one sixty, Li Jing Liang minus one eighty five. Ended up playing Li Jing Liang. He is a straight play. He is the one straight play of the three that is uh, positive. The straight plays are for low amounts, if you notice, um, for one and for two, I initially was, this was actually going to be the first one where I was thinking about just not doing parlay pieces. And by the way, Junkier, nobody makes me. This is my own kind of column and piece. So it's my own, uh, you know, opinion to do what I want with it. So no one's making me do anything, but I was considering not putting a parlay pieces. I, I did put uh, another one, which we'll get to in the main event. Um, but I was thinking about not. So that, that's another reason why I listed three straight plays, but either way, you know, I'm honest whether it's on paper or not. I give it to you here. That is the play, though. Uh, I really didn't do much else. Oh, by the way, the, the last prop of the night. Fight does not go the distance. Caceres Guan, uh, plus 115. I don't know if it's going to be like that way for long. Get on it now. But either Caceres is going to get an opportunistic uh, submission off of a knockdown takedown, or Guang's going to knock him out. In my opinion, it is worth a shot. I played it uh, for probably, you know, 
quarter unit or something. It's on the breakdown. Um, Otto is an upset guy back to the co-main event, and the line is priced right. And by that nature, I'm like, ooh, I could see him making it close. Jing Liang, you know, underrated wrestler, but still developing there and, you know, can be in a close fight if he can't put guys out. Oh, okay, I can see the path where it is a stay away slash I don't blame you for playing Otto. But in looking at it, not only is Jing Liang underrated wrestler, which you might not think so, but I always did. Once running it through back through the comb, I actually think he may have the edge in clinch and, and takedowns. Um, just like uh, he is the, a little more clear, in my opinion, more potent puncher on the feet. Um, he is the more potent takedown threat and more, more, more potent wrestler. He has that uh, special strength, let's just say. Uh, Li, Li Jing Liang, uh, you know, it's just like, okay, let me just, I don't want to say special strength. Now it insinuates that I'm guy that, that this is the thing about being too sensitive because now I don't want to offend, you know, offend one part of the community, but now I'm actually making the guy sound like he's on steroids. Okay, he has retard strength, and I will say that because my man Montel Williams, shout out Montel, um, professional, not not the talk show guy, professional fighter. Um, he actually he actually trained with uh, Jing Liang when he was over here at Extreme Couture, and I was like, hey man, real quick. Retard strength. He's like, oh, dude, super retard strength. I'm like, okay, thank you, thank you. It's one of those things where you can just see him get out of certain positions, like from the Zafir fight or other ones. You know, you you just you're just like that doesn't make sense. But he actually has underrated. That being said, joking aside, he actually has really underrated positional awareness, really underrated techniques, really well trained. You know, he spent some time with uh, Ricky Lundell as well. I mean, he did his rounds. Uh, that that you know that China top team they they uh, there's there's money the Chinese government fuels their athletes man they send them out there like soldiers to accrue knowledge so uh, Jing Liang's out there and uh, on the feet you know I think that counter right hand's gonna be potent I mean you know Otto man to his credit stance shifting uh, combinations real nice on the feet I really like what he does but um. You know, not really a knockout threat. He throws my favorite shot, which is a check hook. And when he has gotten knocked downs and stuff on regional scenes or led to action, insinuating or submission finishing sequences, it's often been off those check hooks. And that'll come in handy against an aggressive guy like Lee. But Zach Otto, when he does get caught himself, which is probably more often than he catches guys, if we're being honest, it's by counter right hands because a lot of the times he'll throw the kicks naked or he'll throw them a little and leave them out there to be countered. And Lee can counter himself from kicks, whether he is countering with his right hand, which I think is going to be live and worth watching for, or with the takedown. I think Lee could possibly get a stoppage late, but will probably get a decision factor in the home crowd and travel, yada, 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 strength, all that stuff. I felt it was worth a play. Uh, a little too hard to determine the way it ends, though. Main event, Michael Bisping, Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, the only real name, <laughs> big name fight. Um, kind of sad, kind of depressing. Right, I like both guys, which is why, because maybe Anderson Silva would have been more sad than this fight. But, I mean, yeah, it's rough. We know the story. You don't need me to harp on it. It's a three-week turnaround. He didn't get just dropped by a left hook by St. Pierre, but he got elbowed multiple times on the ground in the kind of the underratedly bad way where your head doesn't have anywhere to go. That's why you kind of hear the thud when you go watch it and listen closely. That's where that thud often comes from uh, as far as ground and pound goes. Um I like kicks too. Anytime it's a thud, it's good for the person striking, bad for the person receiving. And yeah, makes you think here. I hope I just hope Bisping's okay, man. I hope I'm wrong on picks and plays and all that shit just because uh, I hope Bisping's okay because I, taking shots 
are going to have a doubly effect because he's coming off so close. Um, again, you hear me harp on it all the time uh, with my concussion experience. There are no tests for these things, people. Whatever medicals I'm not even familiar with, and even if I am, I'm not going to harp into it. This is probably being talked about on other shows. They can't test forehead trauma to really you're dead and that CTE stuff. A lot of it that's just based off of symptoms and prior information. Believe me, as someone who recently and still goes through the trial test and tribulations. Um, so, yeah, kind of worrisome there. But if I'm being honest as an analyst, I got to go with the numbers. He's been dropped in five of his last seven fights. Four and three mixed results against Southpaws. Well, four and three is a winning ratio, Dan. Yeah, but four and three is kind of close to 50-50. And for the most winningest fighter, a guy with a very winning record, four and three is not a number you see, a ratio you see in Bisping stats. Traditionally struggled with southpaws, even some of those victories, he arguably got stopped in those fights, like Anderson Silva, right? So, again, uh, mixed success with southpaws, to be fair. Kelvin Gastelum, very well pressure fighter, uh, throws the left hand, left body kick, uh, and just anything from the left side is going to be potent because not just the left hook from St. Pierre, like St. Pierre said in the post fight. If you watch the footage or if you follow my breakdowns and listen to me, this is something that's been kind of known. Not not just for me, by the way, and the tap my own chest or whatever. I've heard it from other people too. This isn't this isn't special knowledge. Um, left shots have traditionally troubled Bisping, especially after that 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 that, that eye injury after that Belfort fight. I mean, but even from that Belfort fight, let's look at that. The left kick, right? You know, um, left kick from Rockhold in the first fight. Uh, you know. Uh, Granted, it was the right hands from Henderson, but that, that's a right hand from Henderson, right? That's it's kind of in a, that's in a league of its own. That's an outlier. But, yeah, shots from the left side, you just, just go down the career. Uh, Tim Kennedy even hit him with some good left hooks. C.B. Dalloway uh, stumbled him. Talis Leda stumbled him, dropped him with a good left hook. Um, it, it's been there. Uh, shots from that side from guys from both stances. Um, Gaslam's coming off his mission with himself, but... I don't think that's a bad loss. I mean, I'm not trying to do revisionist history, but I, it's more of a kicking myself in my own ass because I didn't pick Wyvern because that's where the analysis pointed. But it was just one of those things where you, you can kind of, man, maybe that's what I'm doing here. In hindsight, I'll say the same thing, but you can kind of get caught in trends. You can kind of get caught in the numbers. And I think I did there with the trends of Weidman, and I didn't see the matchup because I even wrote it. It's not me just saying this. I even wrote it, the uh, path to victory for Weidman, not just the obvious grappling. I outlie the turtle position on how Gastelum goes there so much and how Wyatt could be bad against guys who can back take or B, more importantly, have a good front headlock, which chains to a back take as well as front chokes, which was Weidman's thing, which ended up being his demise playing from the turtle, of course, ended up being a front headlock, but that's also another submission that's chained from there. I should have read that. My mistake for not, but again, the reason why I'm bringing that up, not to make myself or anything a revisionist history, it, 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 it's more for Gastelum. It, it really, I don't think you should condemn Gastelum for that loss. Um, he probably should have lost that fight. You know, he's, he should be fighting him at, at welterweight. Let's be honest. Let's not, let's, not, let's not lose track. Let's not lose sight here. Um, so I don't think it's, it, it's that bad of a, you know, of a loss in that sense. Bisping doesn't present those same threats. This will be a tough matchup for Bisping anyways. I would equate Gastelum to like a Whitaker matchup, a younger, stronger, faster sort of thing. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Gastelum is the last parlay piece for, for, for you. Um, 
I play it because I have to play everything, but uh, I didn't touch this matchup, to be honest. Otherwise, I, uh, I'm hoping for Bisping to do well. Okay, just really quickly, just an email from John Zhang on Twitter before we get out of here. Uh, he just essentially asked, I will shorten it up because I don't expect, I don't think he expected this to be to be read, but I uh, just wanted to address it and show um, why Jiu-Jitsu isn't caught on to Chinese fighters and is relevant to tonight's to tonight's episode. And essentially, his theory was just because he equates and. and it's kind of a good metaphor. Kung Fu movies, they're fighting multiple opponents, and that's kind of what martial arts, in its sense, was more for self-defense. It wasn't for sport or combat, so that's why these things didn't get picked up on. That, by definition, is true, and I would not disagree. And In fact, I, I agree with you. Um, another reason, adding on to that, is a reason I touched on earlier in the podcast, which was talking about the whole effect of China being ahead of the game uh, as far as the world goes for progressions, but got behind the game by staying behind their wall, the Great Wall of China, uh, as history will tell you. And with that attitude came a reluctancy to kind of take on certain arts. And I kind of spoke to that with the, you know, we weren't allowed to wear any of our Japanese kimonos when we went to, or anything like that, anything related to Japan. When we went there, it was very much looked down upon, you know. I even saw Japanese tourists, they're speaking Japanese very low-key, and almost a different dialect, like almost a more Okinawan-type dialect, and they're just very reluctant to, to, to be that they're Japanese because there's a bad history. I mean, don't get me wrong. What the Germans did, the Jews were terrible, but we don't talk about it in our history books, which I don't know why we don't acknowledge Asian history that much, but what Japan did to China, you don't want to pull hairs with stuff like that because it's all terrible at the end of the day, obviously, folks, but just put it this way. There's at least numbers you can equate to Hitler. They lost track. That's how bad it was. I mean, the Japanese were stringing up Chinese pregnant women to uh, post, and they were running their bayonet drills during World War II. I mean, there's some dark shit, um, if you dare venture in there, that really wasn't taught to us Americans in history books. But um, so, yeah, there's a very much of a reluctancy. And jiu-jitsu obviously comes from Japanese and a lot of martial arts. So there's a lot of competition there. There's not, it's not all bullshit, in other words, in those kung fu movies. So that actually is a good point. Um, and if anybody was curious on why those martial arts and why they're so sheltered, why they're kind of catching up, and why you know there's a lot of criticism to these fighters, um, that was actually a really good question, John Zhang. That was kind of relevant to touch on all those topics. So we're going to get out of here uh, already way over on time. Straight plays are Guan, Buren, Jing Liang, Props, Caceres, Guan does not go the distance. Nash inside the distance. Parlay pieces, Kelvin, Gastel, and Bobby Nash. Fights to avoid, Yo Dong, Kandare. Kylan, Curran, Xiaonan, uh, Yunnan, Wu, Mazani, Magomed, Sherpoff, Mariah's on the avoid list. Draft Kings is Bobby Nash, Kelvin Gastelum, Jing Liang, Wang Guang, Borat, <laughs> Borat Kandare, and Wu Guji Buren is your DraftKings team. iTunes on it, Amazon for holidays. Thank you. Have good holidays. Appreciate it. And until next time, protect your next.